Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the third season of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Congenital heart defects claim far too many heart warriors' lives. Clearly, it is a leading cause of death amongst newborns, and consequently, there are a lot of bereaved parents suffering the loss of their precious babies. While more and more babies born with congenital heart defects today are growing to adulthood, sadly, there is still an unacceptable number of infant deaths occurring. What happens to the parents when a baby dies of a congenital heart defect? How do they survive even one day, much less the entire holiday season? For those of us who have a child with a congenital heart defect, who have beaten the odds, the thought of our precious child dying is unfathomable. But for an invisible number of parents, this is their reality. I say an invisible number of parents because so many of them seem to disappear after their children die. These baby loss parents suddenly lose not only their child, but the medical staff who become friends, the supportive parents who are engaged in the same struggle for life their child had faced before death, and even the support of some of their family members. Where do these people go? Who can help them? What can we say or do if our heart warrior is still alive to help our baby loss friends? Does survivor's guilt have to prevent a person from reaching out to another? I say no, and today's show will give friends and loved ones of baby loss parents themselves a chance to learn some helpful ways to interact with parents of heart warriors who have earned their wings. This show will also debunk some myths associated with the loss of a child. I hope all of our baby loss listeners gain some perspective today after listening to two heart moms who have been there. I hope my baby loss friends will feel a little boosted up by our show and that they will enter the holiday season feeling a new sense of community and compassion. Please check out our website, www.hearttoheartwithanna.com, in the bio section for links to helpful websites, including a link to Christine Bright McCormick's page, which has her book, When a Friend's Baby Dies, available as a free PDF for simply sharing your email with her. Our topic today is surviving the holidays after losing a child, and we have two excellent guests. Our guests today are heart moms, Kimmy Baker and Sherry Turner. Kimmy Baker and her husband, Bobby, first found out about their daughter's heart defect during an ultrasound when Kimmy was approximately 20 weeks pregnant. It was apparent that Pickle Baker's left ventricle was severely underdeveloped and most likely not functional. Penelope Joy entered the world on September 9, 2013, when it was discovered she had a number of other birth defects, including several defects of her heart and some facial abnormalities. During Penelope Joy's first open-heart surgery, doctors found that she also had no thymus, 
leading to a severely compromised immune system. Penelope Joy died in her parents' arms on October 17, 2013, after a roller coaster fight for her life. It's more than a year since Penelope Joy's death, but Kimmy and Bobby talk about her daily, knowing that doing so keeps her memory alive and her story in their hearts. She remains one of the greatest loves and lights of their lives. Kimmy and Bobby currently are awaiting the arrival of Penelope Joy's baby sister, Sprout Baker who is due in early February. Kimmy blogs about her life and her loves at www.kimberlyjoyb.com. And that's just the letter B, Kimberly Joy, just the letter B.com. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Kimmy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I love that you told us that you and Bobby still talk about Penelope Joy every day. I know that some couples aren't able to do that. So what advice do you have for couples where one person might want to talk about their child, but the other one is afraid to mention the child's name for fear of tears? And I would say the first thing that I learned when going through all of this is that every single person grieves differently. My husband and I grieve differently, even though we're grieving the exact same loss. So we are blessed in the fact that both of us enjoy talking about Penelope and like remembering the good times and the bad times we had when we were living with her in the hospital. In our house, we are not scared of tears. We cry sad tears and happy tears probably more often than the average person does. But I do know that's not the case for everyone. So there are a lot of places that we've turned to and that I would recommend that other parents turn to as well. Uh, There's therapists and support groups, other parents grieving the loss of a child. We've found a great support of friendships among some other parents who have babies with congenital heart defects, even though they haven't gone through the loss. So when, let's say, if Bobby is not in the mood to talk about Penelope or there's something that's just too hard, some part of it that's too hard for him to talk to, I have these other people that I can go to who they'll at least listen so that I can still talk. Mm -hmm. I've Mm -hmm. also found a great outlet in writing. If I just get my thoughts out, I want to talk about Penelope, even if it's talking to myself or through Mm -hmm. paper or photography or whatever it might be, just finding somewhere that you can share about your child is really important. You have to understand that just because you grieve the same loss, that you're not going to be grieving in the same way. And it's okay to want to talk about your baby, and it's okay not to want to talk about your baby. Everyone has their own level of comfort and their own process. Obviously, Bobby and I are devastated by what happened, but we miss her every single day. And that's why we talk about her, because we want to remember all of the good things that we got from her. We had her for 38 days. I think we're really lucky to have had her for 38 days and to have gotten to be mm-hmm. her parents for that long. So I just can't not. <laughs> I just can't not talk about her. So Yeah, yeah. And I think that's perfectly normal. I think that many of my bereaved friends or baby lost friends have said that that is the most painful thing to them is when they want to talk about the baby and people shut them down. So it's really hard, though, because you're right. Husbands and wives do grieve differently. They go Mm -hmm. through different phases at different times. And so do you have some kind of cue that you give each other if it's not a good time to talk about it? We can be very honest with each other and say, no, I don't really want to talk about that right now, or can I just have a few minutes? Mm -hmm. Or we'll find another way to kind of communicate to each other. And now's not a really good time, but let's come back to it later when I'm feeling in a better place. That's good, and that's a good way to handle it. It's not like you're putting them off forever. You're just saying, wait a mm-hmm. minute, I need I need a little bit of time <laughs> before I can yeah, address exactly. this again. And I like that. That open, honest communication, that's what helps you to get through something devastating like this. I am amazed that Penelope Joy survived for 38 days with no thymus, with all of the congenital heart defects that she had, and everything that she survived that long. Wow, that really was a gift. What are you going to do to remember Penelope Joy during this holiday season? 
So every night before we left the hospital or left Penelope, we read her a story. And the last bedtime story we read, we finished just the day before she passed away, and it's called The Little Prince. And in it, it talks about when people die or when people leave us, they become stars in our sky. There's a verse that says, in one of the stars I shall be living, in one of them I shall be laughing. So we kind of used stars to symbolize her. And one of the first things we did Mm -hmm. after she passed away is we bought a special ornament for our Christmas tree. And it says, 2013, a star is born. So when we got our Christmas tree, the very first thing we did was hang the ornament on the tree. And it kind of keeps her with us. So it's really very special to us. And we also have a tree topper that a special artist friend of ours made out of metal. And it's a star, and it has 2013 written on it. So we keep her close in that way. And we also also purchase gifts. (laughs) <laughs> we purchased gifts for children in need at Christmas time in Penelope Joy's name. And we did it last year. We'll do it again this year. And we try to pick at least one little girl who's the age that Penelope would have been. So this year we're buying something for a little girl who's about 15, 16 months old. So it kind of helps us continue mm-hmm. on with Penelope in that way. I love that. That is so special. And it's interesting because I reread Christine Bright McCormick's book, When a Friend's Baby Dies. I reread that before taping today's show because it's such a helpful book to me. Everybody does grieve differently, but Christine shares some really helpful information. And you just told two things that she suggested doing in her (laughs) book. And that was to find something positive to do in your child's name to keep her memory alive, which you're doing Mm -hmm. by purchasing those gifts, but also finding something that symbolizes your child to you. And then actually what she recommends, since it's friends who are reading this book, is that your friends can purchase something that will help them to remember their child. So like your artist friend making that star for you, that's just perfect. That goes exactly in line with what Christine recommends in her book. I'm so and excited just, for you that you're expecting a rainbow baby right now. <laughs> That's just we so are awesome. Ex- we are ecstatic. <laughs> I know you must be. So in light of that, how do you think this holiday season will be different from last year's? So my husband and I haven't been married too long. We were married in 2012. We had our daughter actually just before what would have been our first anniversary last year. So we hadn't really had time to get family traditions. So we feel like mm-hmm. some of that was taken from us last Christmas. We didn't really get to celebrate in the way we wanted to as a family. And so this year, even though I'm pregnant and we don't have a baby living at home with us, we're sort of creating some traditions that we would have wanted to have had with Penelope, and it's definitely brightening things for us. I keep saying that I feel like Mm -hmm. last year's holidays, I was sort of robbed of what Mm -hmm. I wanted my Christmas to be because we were mourning, but we were also celebrating what we had had during the year because we did have a baby and... We wanted to remember that. But this year, there's Mm -hmm. definitely a little bit more brightness. We purchased a copy of Towards the Night Before Christmas to read to my belly on Christmas Eve. And just the kinds of things that we wanted to be able to do that we're able to get to do. And I'm just noticing that our house is a little bit brighter this year. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. I did a whole (laughs) show on Rainbow Babies, and I just recently learned that term. I hadn't heard it before. And what an awesome term. I just like that so much because it brings hope. It just brings so much hope to somebody who's lost a child. And Sherry, who's going to be coming on the show later, has three rainbow babies, which is just really amazing to me. Yeah, it really does give you a lot of hope. And all three rainbow babies are heart healthy, which is exactly what you want to hear after you've had a baby who has had major heart defects. Earlier, you talked about having some support resources that you and your husband have used. Would you like to tell us what kind of resources you recommend to others who have had a child who's passed away? 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, everyone has different beliefs in different communities, but we found a lot of great support in our church group and just the people who mm-hmm. surround us there. I've also become actively involved with Mend of Little Hearts. The local chapter here is Mend of Little Hearts of West Michigan. And while none of the moms who are actively serving as coordinators have lost a child to a congenital heart defect, I do feel like they've been an amazing support system for me, and I would recommend anyone check out that group. There are chapters all across the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Because they understand what it's like to put their lives on hold to take care of a mm-hmm. baby. And that's kind of what happens when you lose a baby. You put your life on hold in a way that you never thought you would have to do. So while there's not a direct understanding of what I'm going through, there is the correlation. And mm-hmm. it's really been great, really been great for us to get involved with that organization. That is a great organization. And they work with the American Heart Association and mm-hmm. the nonprofit group that I work with. The Children's Heart Foundation is also starting to work with the American Heart Association. And I love seeing all of these heart groups coming together, working together for the good of the whole heart community. It does a heart good to see that happening. And we all have the same goal, and that is to eradicate heart defects and to make everybody's lives a little bit brighter, despite the fact that you've had to deal with something as traumatic as having a child with a congenital heart defect. So I think both of those are really resources that people should check into. Well, thank you so much, Kimmy, for coming on the show and sharing with us. Thank you very much. Now it's time for a commercial break, but don't leave yet. Up next, we have a chance to meet another heart mom, find out how she survived for over a decade after losing her son, Thomas, and what words of advice she has for others when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with heart moms Kimmy Baker and Sherry Turner about surviving the holidays after losing a child. Sherry Turner is 45 and lost her firstborn son, Thomas William Turner, 17 years ago to hypoplastic left heart syndrome when he was 10 days old. After her son's death in 1997, Sherry organized the first CHD Awareness Day in Massachusetts on February 14th of 2000 at Children's Hospital of Boston. After having organized several annual CHD Awareness Days in Massachusetts, she took a long hiatus to continue her family. She was beginning a nonprofit called the Massachusetts Heart Coalition when her second child, Allison Nicole Turner, was born in 1999. Christopher followed in 2003 and Daniel in 2005. Raising her young heart family has been her focus for the last several years and has been instrumental in her healing journey. Over the last couple of years, her children have helped coordinate efforts to recognize the hard work of the staff of the Pediatric Cardiology Unit of Children's Hospital of Boston each year on February 14th. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Sherry. Um, thanks for the welcome. I'm glad to be here. Well, for my longtime listeners, you may recognize Sherry's voice. She was on my show in the first season, and so it's good to have you back, Sherry. I'm glad to be back, and I hope to be of some help to people. Well, I know you will be. I'm hoping that you can help me debunk some myths 
that I hear over and over again. And the first one I want us to debunk is the one that I'm sure you have heard over and over, which is that time heals all things. The bereaved moms I know have always told me that the pain never goes away. So can you address this myth, Sherry? I sure can. I'll do the best I can to give you my perspective on it. I feel it never really stops hurting. And as far as time healing it, I wouldn't say it's healed. It's just different. When you lose a child, for me anyway, it was one of the worst pains I could ever endure. I didn't think I was going to make it through day to day at first. And over time, it's more that you learn how to carry that pain. You don't have less pain. You just learn how to carry it in a way that allows you to live the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's beautifully said. That's so beautifully said because that's exactly what all my other friends tell me who have lost a child, that the hurt never goes away. You never stop thinking about your baby, just like Kimmy was telling us in the first segment how they talk about Penelope Joy every day. They think about her all the time, and all my bereaved friends have said the same thing, that it's not a pain that ever goes away, and it doesn't even necessarily dull, but what you said is so true. You just learn how to carry it differently. Okay, so let's address myth number two, that once you finish the grieving process, you can go back to being your old self. Do you think a grieving (laughs) parent can ever be the person they were before their child passed away? Absolutely not. I think that a lot of people around you, because they care about you and don't want to see you in pain, sometimes will try to expect you to go back to being your old self. But you never really are. You're a changed person. I know that Mm -hmm. before I had Thomas, I was planning to open my own child care center because I'd worked in child care for many years. And then after I had him, it was unthinkable for me. And Mm -hmm. I can't really tell you what specifically about my loss has made it so that I couldn't do that. But I just know that it's a reality. The things that you liked before sometimes change. The people that you're comfortable hanging around change. Your thoughts change. There's so much that can change after you lose a child. You have to adjust to a new normal, and Mm -hmm. that adjustment makes you a different person. That's so true. Do you think that's why sometimes it's easier to make friends and keep friends who don't meet you until after you've suffered your loss? Sometimes it is because your friends prior to the loss They mean well, but their impulse is to try and get you to get past your pain and over the pain. And unless they really understand what grieving a child is about, they don't usually understand that there's no getting past it. It's learning, Mm -hmm. again, how to carry that pain and still live your life. And learning to carry it necessarily makes you have to develop in different ways and become a different person. Mm -hmm. You may still like some of the same things that you used to like. I'm not saying everything is completely different, but you have to kind of find a way to make room for the new parts of you. The fact that you're the parent of a child who has died has to be figured strongly into who you are now. And forever. Yes, and forever. My husband knows somebody who lost children in the 20s and they passed away in the 70s and they thought about that child every single day of their life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
50 years of still grieving a child. I just use that as an example to show it's never something that you stop thinking about. You may have times where you can handle it better than you can at other times, but it's not something that you get over or get past. It's Mm -hmm. just a new normal. Right, right. I think the last myth I'd like us to debunk today, and there are so many myths, but I just chose my top three, is about how bereaved parents feel after losing a child. So many parents that I talk with tell me they feel like they're crazy because they can't do simple things that they used to do before, and everything seems to be a struggle for them now. They seem to cry for no reason. So can you tell us about how you dealt with your pain and whether you ever felt that you were going crazy? And most importantly, can you tell us what those of us who have a friend who's suffering this kind of loss, what we can do to help them? Well, first of all, it's very normal to feel that you're going crazy. You're overwhelmed with an amazing amount of pain, and Mm -hmm. it does make even the smallest things a struggle. When I first lost Thomas, I couldn't bear to even be in the mall because I saw baby strollers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that would send me into fresh tears every single time I saw one. I spent a lot of time trying to avoid children and babies and baby carriages. I even got to the point where I turned the TV on and I was watching The X-Files and it happened to be about an episode about one of the main characters losing a child. And I Mm. felt like I was being pursued. Mm. So it's very normal to feel crazy. The way I handled it is if I found something particularly painful, I gave myself permission not to have to be around that. Like I, for a while, was not Mm. around children. And that's okay. It's okay to allow yourself the space to deal with it. I also, like Kimmy, did a lot of writing and still do. My husband and I are very close, and we talk and listen to each other as much as possible. And some people need other resources to talk to, and whatever helps you and whoever helps you, it's good to surround yourself with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, coping with Thomas's death had a lot to do with the people that I chose to be around. The other thing that helped me tremendously was throwing myself into nonprofits. I did a lot of work with the American Heart Association and, as you mentioned earlier, uh, arranging for Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Day. I worked with other bereaved parents through the MISC Foundation, and mm-hmm. it's donating your time to things that feel valuable to you. We do a lot right. in memory of my son. We gave to a food pantry in his memory. We bring Valentines to the staff at Children's Hospital of Boston on February 14th every year. So Mm -hmm. whatever feels good to you to help you memorialize your child, that can help you deal with your pain. Okay. I think that's all great advice. I think that's wonderful. And we will have links to those different resources that Sherry just mentioned in the bio section of this show on the Heart to Heart with Anna webpage. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, but we need to take another quick commercial break. Don't leave yet because when we get back, we'll all be in the studio together and have a chance to hear some parting words of advice from both of our guests today. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. 
You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with heart moms, Kimmy Baker and Sherry Turner, about surviving the holidays after losing a child. And I want to thank both of my guests, Kimmy and Sherry, for coming on Heart to Heart with Anna. This topic is a very important topic for us to discuss because many of our heart warriors pass away far too soon. And while more and more babies are growing to adulthood, congenital heart defects are still the number one cause of death amongst newborns. So we're all in the studio together now. Kimmy and Sherry are both with me, and I have one last question I would like to ask both of you ladies, and it's a two-parter. What is the number one piece of advice that you can give to bereaved parents dealing with the holiday season? And the second part is, what advice can you offer the friends or loved ones of a bereaved parent to help them through the holiday season? And Kimmy, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. It's hard to pick one piece of advice that I would give to bereaved parents, but one of the things that helped me most is knowing that my feelings and my emotions matter. Whatever I'm feeling and whatever minute or hour or day, it's not wrong. So if you're sad, it's okay, and you find yourself just enjoying the holiday, and for one second you're not thinking about the child that you lost, that's okay too. Your feelings aren't wrong, and there's no, you should be doing this or you should be doing that when you grieve. So I think you should just let yourself feel whatever you need to feel, whenever it is. Mm-hmm. And as far as advice for loved ones, I would say that just be really patient and flexible and understanding because while your friend or family member may be holding it together really well at one second, the next second it might be really difficult for them. Maybe a family function might be just too much to handle for them at one point, but then a couple weeks later they have no problem being around family, especially if there's going to be kids or babies there. I know for me the first family function was impossible. I couldn't even bring myself to go, but now some days I can handle it and some days it's harder, so just let your friend have some room, be understanding, be patient, and most importantly, if she or or he wants to talk about their baby, let them. It's really hard for Mm -hmm. me when I feel like Penelope Joy is being forgotten or people are avoiding the topic of conversation because it's awkward, but I like talking about her and I like thinking about her, what she would have been like at Christmas time especially, so that's what I would advise. Okay, that's terrific. I like all of that advice. It's very good. Sherry, do you have anything that you would like to add to that? Yes, I would like to say to a grieving parent to trust your instincts about what you can endure and what you can't. In the beginning, you're just learning how to handle um, your grief. And if something doesn't feel right to you, then it's not right for you. And it's, it's our right to say that and it's our right to express that. And trust your intuitions about who you um, surround yourself with. If, if you've got an aunt or an uncle who is just a little bit too much to bear, as kindly as you can, just remove yourself from the situation. And if there are people that make you feel good to be around, make a point to be around them. And it's also okay to be alone. If you want to take a little bit of time to be by yourself, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Okay, that's very good advice. And what about for friends and family of the bereaved parent? Well, a lot of times it was helpful to us if people wanted to participate in memorializing our child. So if you feel like that's something you can do, 
then purchase an ornament with the child's name on it or also make a donation to a charity of the family's choice in memory of the child. Just always that you show that you are honoring their memory and remembering that this child is beloved and important to the people that you care about. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. I think that's perfect. So I'd like to conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna with a quote that I saw in Christine Bright McCormick's book, When a Friend's Baby Dies. The quote is this, Death leaves a heartache no one can heal. Love leaves a memory no one can steal. And the author is unknown, but I think that's just perfect. And I hope all of my listeners today can love others in the heart community so that their actions of love leave a blessed memory. And if this show accomplishes that feat with even just one person, I know it will be a gift to the entire heart world. So thank you again, Sherry and Kimmy. I really enjoyed our show today. Thank you you for having us. Well, please find and like us on Facebook and come back next week at noon Eastern Time. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.